When is Late Model Live coming on tonight? Oh my God! We got Weaver, Beaver, Kevin Weaver wins! There's no green light! The race of the year! Forget about it! I don't want to hear nothing else! Glad to see all our fans are out tonight. <laughs> I hope they appreciated that ass kicking. And you all, I know you love me. I mean, Dirt on Dirt's interviewing me right now. You got to be kidding me. Who's it going to be at the line? Oh, no! The winner of the inaugural Dirt Million, Earl Pearson Jr. Oh, my! Shannon Bath wins it! Are you kidding me? The kid can wheel a truck. The kid can wheel a wave model. Oh, hell yeah! At the line, it's going to be Jonathan Davenport! This is one of those days you literally can't find anything to complain about because it's such an awesome day. This is your race day report for... It's going to be Scott Bloomquist winning his eighth Dirt Late Model 3. Steve Swath, move over. New race of the year. Into turn number three. Davenport blocking. Shepard, slide job. Davenport answers. Shepard wins. Shepard wins. I like to look at this thing tonight. But for right now, sit back and relax. And most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. Now join Michael Rigsby from the Dirt on Dirt studio for Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. Map one more time. He was drinking to a pass, gonna make contact with the wall in turn number one. Your race leader, Shannon Babb, up the track and hands it over to the 25 of Simpson. Chad Simpson once again working the bottom side lap traffic now once again. Babb will tumble in turn number three, opens up the door for the 32 machine up Pierce. And there goes Hudson O'Neill, back around Simpson. Simpson right back down to the inside, his money corner right here at three and four. But the 71 car of Hudson O'Neill, he's gonna slow your race leader. The final time down the back straightaway. Welcome, 50 time in the 34 raceway, and for the third time, Bobby Pierce gonna pick up the checkers tonight. For those that aren't TV and video nerds like I am, what you just saw is called a bump, a piece of video that bumps into or out of a break. In this case, it actually bumped into the actual show itself. I had not done a bump in a few weeks from the new studio, but I thought to myself, you know what? Nearly 75% of the damn schedule was rained out over the weekend, and I'm planting a flag against the weather and proving, you know what, there was actually racing this past weekend, and that clip was from 34 Raceway in Iowa, where we had a great Slocum 50, and you saw it all live at DirtOnDirt.com. This is Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live for Tuesday, April 23rd. And while it wasn't quite the cataclysmic, turn you like that word, cataclysmic, 100% uh, rainout weekend that we had last year, where literally every event in April was rained out, was literally never happened before. It was pretty gross. By Friday morning, most of the schedule across the United States of America had been called off, including Atomic, Virginia Motor. What else do my notes say here? The Clash Race. <laughs> we sort of limped into the weekend, if you will, but there was enough good stuff that I think we can look back and say, you know what, all things considered, it was it was an acceptable weekend of racing. D-Suave, Derek Kessinger, he was dancing earlier. Is he still dancing? Turn. 
There he is. Oh, boy. Like He's doing the Dante Culpepper for our Vikings fans out there. <laughs> D-Swab Derek Kessinger is in studio once again as is Michael Turnreiners. Uh, big weekend that we just had, or big weekend that we're about to have. Moderate weekend that we just had. Derek, give me your thoughts on a couple of wet April days that we had out there. It was uh, good to see some of the national touring guys, you know, on their off weekend, you know, with Easter and stuff, going to 34 Raceway. Obviously, the... Lucas Oil Bunch, they will be there here in a month or, or here in a couple of weeks, actually. Like, what, 20-some days, you said? 23 days 23 from tonight. Days. 23. And also, shout-out to Ashton Winger. He always uh, begs me, I mean begs me, texting me, <laughs> calling me to pick him for lock of the week. And I'm like, I can't go against uh, Cat Daddy, you know, back at his home track at Sonoya. So that was cool to see him get a win. He uh, He's going to venture off a lot more this year. So shout out to Ashton Winger. You're my boy, Blue. Yeah, we're going to talk about Ashton. Let's not give Ashton too much credit. We like Gary and Lynn a lot better than we like Ashton, although we love him. So we'll talk about the young Ashton Winger's career later in the show. And I mentioned earlier that we were live from the Slocum 50 this past Saturday night. And I wanted to give a huge thank you to MLRA, to Brad Stevens, to the Slocum Foundation, just everybody at the racetrack over the weekend for making that free broadcast for our subscribers. If you were a subscriber, it was free this past weekend. I wanted to give a huge, very heartfelt thank you to everyone for making that possible. A little blip turn, small little technical blip yeah. that we had, a little little power issue at the racetrack, which I know you guys may find it hard to believe. Sometimes power at these racetracks can be a bit tricky. What turn? Five, six minutes we lost, yeah. right? Yeah. During Heat 4, and we were right back and we replayed Heat 4. Is that all right? Turn, explain it to the people. Yeah, so five we six lost, minutes, right? Yeah, we lost power for a couple of minutes. We got it fired back up as as uh, fast as we could, and then we uh, replayed the heat. So hopefully, everybody at home didn't miss anything and no, uh, no. make everybody happy. No, everyone was happy. Turn yeah. nothing, nothing but happy I mean, thoughts free. from everyone. It's free. Uh, but seriously, thank you for everybody that checked it out. Uh, it was very good exposure for thirty four Raceway. So thanks again to Brad and all those guys. This coming weekend to me is sort of the last great breath. <laughs> Last great breath, if you will, the last weekend of April. There are definitely some races that you want to catch this weekend. Don't, don't get me wrong about that, as we'll preview in the next hour or so. But May, to me, next month, next week when May starts, that's when kind of summer hits. All the racetracks around the country by May are open. Uh, so to me, this weekend, it kind of closes out the first part of the dirt late model season. January through April is that first put-it-to-bed part of the dirt late model season. And to honor that, the greatest dirt late model writer of all time, not Kevin Kovac, suave, but Todd Turner, will join us in our pay attention. We love you, Kovac. Will join us in our pay attention segment as we recap January through April and start to look forward to the busy season that lies ahead. That's in about 10 minutes from now. Brian Shirley will certainly be a favorite this weekend at both Tri-City and Macon for the Lucas shows. And Squirrel will give us some tips and pointers on those two racetracks later and just talk about the wild season he's had thus far. And a reminder, the live shows continue. Saturday night, Mighty Macon, get your fifth mile smile on. Watch every single lap of the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series race Saturday night, April 27th, this Saturday at Macon Speedway. You can watch that as part of our pay-per-view broadcast uh, Friday night at Tri-City is on Lucas Oil Racing TV. Saturday night on DirtOnDirt.com with us. You've got James Essex on the call, Dustin Jarrett in the pits, replays, everything, so much more live every lap Saturday night uh, from Macon. Suave, how would you describe Macon to someone that's never been? Someone that's literally never been to Macon before, how would you describe it? Because it really isn't like anything else. I think it's like the only track in the country that could probably run it like the whole track in under 30 seconds, maybe 45. <laughs> so, uh 
Yeah, but this has got it's like a I don't know, it's a mini, you know. When you say run, you mean you actually yes. run. You you yes, physically me running. physically yes, running like yes. this, showing off the speed, but it's like one of those tracks that there's always action. You're going to have guys on the bottom, you're going to have guys up against the wall. Lap traffic is mayhem. I'm going to get dizzy in the infield. Me and DJ will be in turn 3. I'm going to try not to get hit. Um, I'm talking to you, Osha. Maybe this guy over there can give me, uh, you know, some uh, safety uh, barriers. But no, I love Macon, and it's obviously one of the older tracks, you know, here in you know the Midwest in Illinois. And it's uh, what do they say? It's the world's fastest fifth mile. A jet fighter in a gymnasium. That is the phrase yes. that is used a lot. It is just you can't believe it until you see it. Bell Claire small too, but Macon is like that black dirt high banked. It's just different. You're not banging off the board. So uh, live for Macon Saturday night, and please nobody run over Suave inside turn three. Okay, <laughs> let's try DJ maybe. You know, we lose, yeah, we lose DJ, okay. you can step in and pit report. If we lose you, DJ cannot shoot. No. So. He's practiced, though, over the years. Turn, <coughs> what do you think about that? Do you have a, do you have a preference on who gets hit in the infield? Uh, I mean, 10 points for each one. 10 so. points for each one. There you go. So, Jimmy Owens, there's 20 points total if you can make it happen. Fun weekend coming up, but let's take a look back first. Five things. Number one on five things. By the time Saturday night had rolled around, the only big race left in America was the Slocum 50 at 34 Raceway in Iowa. And whether you were in the Hawkeye State or watching online, you got a hell of a show. And Bobby Pierce's previous two Slocum 50 wins, they were easy. Cakewalks. This one, not so much. After falling back early, it was vintage Pierce rally mode. And by the way, 34 Raceway was on point again. Pierce tracked down Shannon Babb for second place and passed him on lap 32. Actually got him uh, right coming up right here as Bab gets into the turn three wall just ever so slightly. At that point, it was only Chad Simpson that stood in the way of another high side Pierce rally. And with seven laps to go, guess what turn? He got that done too. Simpson right back down to the inside. His money corner right here at three and four. But the 71 car, Munson O'Neill, he's gonna slow your race leader. Seven laps to go. Now is the 32 machine at the point. A packed house saw the Oakwood, Illinois driver get his seventh win already of the season and his third Slocum 50 title in the past four years as his pass of Simpson was more than enough to race to the $10,055 victory. Yeah, yeah, it is the biggest check. I didn't really think about that, but um, it was probably one of the funnest races I've drove. Uh, you know, me and Chad and, and Bab having a heck of a race there. And I think it took a while for my front tires to really get heated up so they'd turn and I, and I didn't have to really toss it into the cushion as hard. So just uh, started to drive a lot better there at the end of the race. And um, that bottom just got slicker and slicker. And the top, uh, I, don't, I don't really think it got faster, just that bottom got slicker. and. Um, Man, fun race. I always look forward to coming here for this race and uh, won it three times now, so that's really cool. Remember one thing. A lot of people are now on that, man, 34 Raceway is awesome train. 23 days from tonight, as Derek said, the Lucas Oil Series is at 34 for 10000 to win, and that's a Thursday night race. You'll have all the best Midwestern guys plus the Lucas guys. It's a Thursday night. That's going to be a lot of fun. Number two on five things, the night before MLRA was at 34 for the Slocum. They were at the big old half mile of Davenport for 5000 to win. And I got to say this, a personal note on Davenport. Growing up in Illinois, it was one of those mythical tracks. It seemed so Big. I mean, I know there's other half miles out there, but this thing was where Berkey and Gary Webb cut their teeth, where Have a Tampa and these other series would go, and they passed through on their way to Cedar Lake and other big shows. And I'd rate Davenport as one of the top 10 
late model crazy towns in the entire country. Friday night, they saw Chase Younghands mow them down. The Kansas driver led all 30 laps and after struggling recently, was totally dialed in easily winning $5,000. Yeah, we've been working hard on it. We got our butts kicked a couple weeks ago over there at uh, Farmer City. So uh, my guys been working really hard at the shop, all of us. I can't thank them guys enough, Corey, Vinny, and Bobby. Uh, definitely feels good to get the first one of the year. Hopefully we can start ticking them off. Uh, racetrack was great. I want to thank all the fans for coming out and supporting us. Hopefully we do it again tomorrow. He did not do it tomorrow, but it was still a nice win for Chase Younghands. Nice shout out to Jordan Yagi, too, the young man who'd been on the national late model scene a few years ago when he ran with the World of Outlaws. He was third Friday at Davenport. He and his dad, Steve, some of the absolute best people in the industry. Number three, last week on the show, I talked about last year's car counts on the Rush Late Models Battle of the Bay Speed Weeks. This year, Vicky at the gang and Rush said, you know what? Hold my beer. Three of the four events got in. Average car count over the three nights, 50, including 53 on the opening night at Delaware. Max Blair, to no one's surprise, owned the first two nights at Delaware in Georgetown. Rain got day number three at Potomac, and Logan Roberson won the finale at Winchester right here. Ugh, tough luck for Ross Robinson. Had drive shaft issues with 10 to go. And then Suave, <coughs> I, got, I got a cough to get ready because I'm not sure how to handle this. Logan proceeded to do this pose on the race car. Come on, man. This is a kid's program. When your Twitter handle is Thug Nasty, what do you expect? Overall, I just love the vibe of this whole thing. Awesome car counts, solid racing, really good social media engagement. I think the time of the year is perfect to do this right before everybody else gets rolling. We haven't always paid massive attention to crate racing throughout the years at Dirt on Dirt, but the Battle of the Bay Speed Weeks certainly was worthy. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's nothing like coming back home to uh, all the people I race with, and uh, I, th I believe we was pretty good. We was all competitive, and it's uh, it's nice being home and uh, to get a win for me and my family, and just the hometown crowd is it's awesome. Yeah, them double file restarts can be scary when you're the leader, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I felt pretty confident. We were you know we were rolling around there pretty good, and I knew as long as I made it through one and two, I I felt like we'd be okay. Uh, but boy, what a stout field of race cars, you know. It don't it don't get much better than that when you talk about crate racing in the Northeast, that's for sure. It's uh, 51 or some cars here. That's that's awesome. Side note, there was also a super late model race at Georgetown on Thursday night, and a friend of the program, Suave, Jason Covert, picked up the win for $3,000 after starting sixth in that 72 car. Number four, in a week where so many things got rained out, one side benefit is that we get to show some love to a few things that we might not normally hit in this segment. And this week, it's the Malvern Bank Late Model Series that is really picking up a lot of momentum out in the Midwest. Friday night, they were at Marshalltown Speedway, another one of Iowa's great underrated tracks. And Tyler Bruning, who is sort of that de facto teammate to Chris Madden, got the $2,000 victory. This was a great race, too. Again, Marshalltown is just awesome. Look at this contact between Bruning and Nick Deal right there. That's Deal that came out on the wrong end of it. It was then Richie Gustin applying the pressure and throwing, I guess we'll call this a slider. Slider for the lead. Tyler did get the lead back and would hold on from there. But there's a reason there's some buzz about this Joe Kaziski-led series. It was a fun night in Motown. Yeah, car was phenomenal tonight. Uh, I just want to start by saying uh, I feel really bad about getting into the leader there. He come down, and I had everything I could do to try to hold up and not get into him. I really feel bad about that. But uh, 
car was really good. Uh, made good adjustments on it all night long. We unloaded good, so just made little tweaks here and there. I get this question sometimes from people. Is Malvern Bank a super series or is it a crate series? It's really not either. It's more of a Wasoda kind of series. Super late models have to restrict their cars to run it. No matter what you call it, the racing has been good and it's on the rise. Finally, number five. Turn, we had so many rainouts this week, and look at this. We're doing still pictures. It's like we're doing radio now. Two wins that jumped out to me. Of course, Billy Moyer at West Plains. Suave, it's like I was a kid again. Mr. Smooth back in Southern Missouri got his 839th win. This one in a comp cams race. He's still getting it done after all these years. And let's give the official I see you notice to Ashton Winger, as we talked about earlier. I, a kid I love to give a hard time to. I give a ton of shit to Ashton, let's be honest. The son of shot guru Gary Winger has turned into a hell of a young driver. He won $3,000 at Why Not Saturday night in the Mississippi State Championship Series race. Why not? Not an easy place to roll into and just get a win. I think it shows that the young 19-year-old is keeping an eye out, or we need to keep an eye out for him, I should say. That first touring win is knocked off the books. Oh, I think it's I think it's important because the first one's always hardest to get it. Like I, I won that Derek Lane deal, and and honestly, I only won three of them races, but it felt like I should have won ten of them. So, uh, I mean, it's just good to knock the rust off and hopefully keep knocking off more. And, and we we you know we want to race. We obviously want to win outlaw races and Lucas races, but this is a step in the right direction. Them guys in Mississippi aren't no slouch. So, I mean, I, I just think it's important that to get the first one out of the way so you can keep collecting them. Last year, you'll recall, Ashton won the Durant Slane crate title, so you can see he's taking the steps in the right direction. Like I said, this is his first touring series late model win. I think we'll hear a lot more from that youngster in the coming years. Turn and Suave, that was five things. How about this too, Suave? And I know you appreciate this, of all people. Ashton told us, not a done deal, still some things to work out, but he's likely coming to Farmer City in Fairbury in a few weeks to run those $10,000 to win Mars races as he wants to get out and race a little bit more. That's exciting because I love when young kids venture out like that and go to places outside their comfort zone. You're also with me. I mean, Suave, he was six years old when Dirt on Dirt started. To see him now develop and come to Fairbury and Farmer City and stuff, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think when I first met him, he was like 12, 12 or 13. And uh, yeah, he always is talking smack about Fairbury too, <laughs> how he's going to be able to run, outrun this guy right here. But... I don't know. I think he has a little uh, more. He has a few more laps than Ashton does in that track. But yeah, we'll see if he ends up coming up. And uh, like you said, Billy Moyer. I mean, is he ever gonna like not win a no. race? Eight hundred thirty ninth career wow. win. Eight hundred thirty ninth career win. Here, I feel like I have to write that down to like truly appreciate. It. Turn, leave that camera there. Eight hundred thirty ninth career win. Is that a lot? <clears throat> Yeah, it is actually. A lot. <laughs> it was a rhetorical question. I didn't need you to actually answer it. By the way, I've got this tickle in my throat tonight. Are you going to be able to step in if I have to step out? Can you do this show? I mean, you'll <clears throat> see like throughout the timeline, the ratings, like the viewership will go so, up. Turn, you can know? you double box us so, real quick or no? Can you throw I a mean, double box up? It's not even close. <clears throat> well, Look at I mean, this. <clears throat> better looking for sure right here. I mean, that is not close. We agree with that, right? Okay. Turn, who's better looking? I Thank mean, you, Turn. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I'm not going to answer Turn, this. who writes your paycheck? Amber. The guy on the, the, guy <laughs> in the left box. That's actually a good point. Uh, that is a good point. Amber writes my paycheck, too, to be very clear. So <laughs> as April comes to a close for me, it's always a noteworthy moment, sort of a, a barometer, back to the future style, timeline-wise, in late model racing. The winter series are done. 
all of the spring bad weather racing is done, I like to get an idea of where we are on things at this time. And in this case, sort of pass that knowledge on to you. What do we think here at Dirt on Dirt about where we are in the season? Just what do we need to know about dirt late model racing January through April? That is what we are paying attention to tonight. One person who I know has been excited about our trip down National Dirt Digest memory lane that we've been doing this past couple of weeks is our very own Todd Turner. He was the editor there for what seemed like forever, most of my childhood. And Todd, before I get too far with you during this week's Pay Attention segment, um, I stumbled across something in my National Dirt Digest memory lane pieces. Do you care to explain this at all? Um, there is a photo of, I think that's Todd Turner. Um, it looks like Todd Turner in a dress. Uh, before we get too far down National Dirt Digest memory lane and pay attention, do you care to explain this photo at all, Todd? Uh, I would like to uh, retain some plausible deniability <laughs> that I had anything to do with either being in that photo and definitely not putting it in that publication. The funniest part about this is, like, literally at home, like, we were, Todd, everybody came to our office for a meeting last October, and I just was pulling out old National Dirt Digest. This was the first one I pulled out and went to the back page of Todd dressed like this. Todd, you really didn't know this was in there, and you published this paper. <laughs> yeah, so how it was working, then, I was living separate from where they printed and published. So I guess I sent them, you know, what I thought was the paper. And then they must have swapped out that photo and done that. You know, since I had done the paper, I didn't look through every single page every time I got a copy in the mail. So I literally had never, I saw that 12 years or 13 years after it, it first appeared. So it was a little jarring. Oh, believe me, it was jarring. Trust me. Just uh, Although you're a pretty good looking woman, quite honestly. I mean, I've seen uglier women. So that I uh, <laughs> You feel good. Uh, we're back to the matter at hand here. January, February, March, and April, those four months now in the books. You've got Arizona and Speed Weeks. You've got the crisscross of rainouts and rain chasing events that March and April always is. Todd, as we sort of close the books on this early part of the year and head into a situation where basically every track in America will now be opening uh, in, the, in the coming month of May, what are the things we need to take away? from this first stretch. January through April, to me, mentally always kind of means something. What do we need to take away from this first four months of the dirt late model season? Well, I have a couple things, mostly focused on the national tours and, and the bigger picture of those. And I think the first one jumps out at me is, is that uh, it, it seems like all we talk about when we talk about the national tours are people uh, already handing the trophies to, to Brandon <laughs> Shepard uh, with the World of Outlaws and Jonathan Davenport with the Lucas Oil Series. And that must be, uh, that, that must be really grind on those other guys. Uh, but, but, you know, when you just look at it and you see how things have gone here in these first couple of months, uh, it, it's hard not to think that those guys are going to be very difficult to, to catch. Now, it would certainly be funner if, if, if somebody, uh, somebody or more than one somebody uh, can both challenge them. Uh, you know, you'd hate to see them have bad luck or something, but you'd like to see somebody uh, steal some of those wins that uh, Shepard and Davenport think that they may, uh, they may be getting. So I think that's, that's a big deal, and that's what we're looking at. Uh, I think at this point in the national touring season, uh, we, we need some, uh, some action up front there. So we'd hate to see those guys run off with it. Um, another thing, uh, Tyler Herb was, you know, I remember us being at Speed Weeks there and just kind of like looking at each other like, 
oh my goodness, Tyler Irvin in every ring. <laughs> I mean, he, he really, really had a great stretch there. And obviously maintaining that pace is going to be uh, untenable. But uh, uh, he's cooled off a little bit. Of course, he won the big uh, race a little style. And uh, uh, but his, 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 his uh, runs are a little more spotty. So I think it's interesting to see uh, – uh, as the rest of the season goes, compared to how he did his first couple of months, uh, will we be looking at this as Tyler Herb's big breakout season, or or will we look at it as just oh, remember when he was hot at Seed Weeks and and didn't really uh, put that together the rest of the year? So I think that's something we'll be looking at uh, the rest of the way. Um, and then finally, and I think this is the biggest thing, and I kind of saved it for last for that reason, is Scott Bloomquist's absence. Uh, uh, with the motorcycle accident injuries and being sidelined for what's likely to be uh, weeks, uh, weeks even from here on, and he's been gone for a while. That's uh, you know it changes changes the sport. It changes the Lucas Oil chase. Uh, it changes fans who literally come to see him watch uh, to watch him uh, at the racetrack. It changes you know the attendance. Uh, it's also uh, to be honest, it's also. You know, he, he's no young man. So coming back from this will be, you know, we've seen him come back from the most amazing things. And he, he, he has a penchant for, for uh, doing things when you, when you count him out and that type of thing. So, so this will, again, be one of those great challenges for him uh, at this age, you know, in his mid-50s to recover from an injury like this and try to uh, try to get back to the level he, he was. Can he do that this season? Can he do that next season? Uh, will this shorten maybe how long he would have raced, uh, you know, minus the accident? That's going to be interesting to see. And I think that's uh, – uh, for, for people who are kind of tuned out uh, early this year, maybe go to the races in the summer, uh, there's going to be a lot of where's Lindquist uh, all over the place. Here's an interesting phenomenon that I wanted your take on. So I had this conversation with Nate Ryan last week, and that, that, that conversation, so many people comment on my talk with him last week, so I'm so glad that, that went well. It just appears to me that dirt track racing is hot right now. Uh, just the state of the industry, we're hot right now. People talking about us, a lot of buzz from the NASCAR attention, just the fact that there's, like I said, there's a palpable buzz about the sport. So that is one side of the equation. The other is that local racing, let's not sugarcoat it, is struggling. Some tracks are shutting down, and those of us that are sort of really inside the industry know that. So how can both of those things be true, Todd? Are we healthy and roaring? Are we in trouble over the long haul? Which one of those things is true? Are they both true? You've got more perspective and longevity than anybody. You tell me. I would say kind of both true, and I, I think it comes down to that. And you kind of set it up. We have, we have when you go to a special event somewhere, and you look up at the crowd, and you see a, a huge car count, and you see lots of excitement and a great race and a great finish. You just think, wow, this thing is killing it. Then you uh, buzz through some results, or maybe you go to a weekly show, and you see a really, a really low car count, uh, you know, obviously not a lot of late models that can run weekly at these tracks, maybe light, light fans, and just not very exciting. I, I think, I think those, those two things, there, there's a lot in between those two. Uh, but I think the sport has basically become more of a special event sport overall. Um, I think maybe years ago it would have been uh, – uh, you know, everybody could argue about what the best weekly track was. Well, now it, that's – 
that, that's a that's a relatively small pool right. of tracks you're talking about. Tracks that can literally sustain the high profile super late miles. It's just too. It's just becoming a division that's kind of too expensive to run broadly. Now, now certain tracks and certain pockets can pull it off, but obviously we see most tracks run some type of limited or crate late model, or just having occasional late model special events. And I don't think that's the end of the world. I mean, I think it's easy to sit back and like and say, oh, it was great back in the day when right. I'd go to my weekly track and we had 30 late models. And yeah, that was that was great on, on that level. But now think about the, uh, we have two national tours and, and a lot of really solid regional tours that really race a whole lot. So wherever you live, you can probably go and see some really, uh, probably a better level of late model racing than you could have back in the day. Whereas maybe back then you, you would have been uh, more pleased for a weekly show to have that. And I just think that's, we've moved to more of a special event focus in the sport overall. And, and I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast and the way this sport is gone in a way it is, it's more expensive. The purses are, are higher and all that stuff kind of lends itself towards shifting away from, you know, going to the race every Saturday night to watch these guys. Uh, to picking your spots for two or three nights a month, maybe to watch a big race. One of the things that I find so fascinating about the current state of dirt late model racing, I think, is, and these are some numbers I looked up through April 23rd, Dennis Herb Jr. has raced 23 times. Brandon Shepard has logged almost 30 races through April 23rd. So Donnie Moran and I were having this discussion back at Speed Weeks. A big year for Donnie or Billy or anybody back in the day was about 50. If you could get 50 in, man, you had a 60 was insane. But if you could get 50 in, that was a big show. So how much different does it make things now that even in what we would consider the coldest, crappiest months of the year, January, February, March, April, you can get 30 races in still. What does that say about our sport I mean, just how do we view that now that it's it's kind of a, an insane thing? And maybe it's lending to making it even more of a special event sport because of that. I don't know. I just wanted you to flush that out a little bit for me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think, you know, and I, when, the, when I thought about Herb, I looked up what his schedule uh, anticipates. He has 74 more races left. <laughs> so 100. Uh, which, is, right. which is kind of crazy, you know. Uh, and I think maybe, you know, sometimes we forget, I think definitely overall, uh, maybe especially in Donnie's era, maybe he was racing a, about that amount. But then I hear back, you know, back in the late 70s when Jerry Inman won 50-something features in a year. And obviously Buck Simmons won like more than a thousand races. So he had to be logging a lot of races. And I think back uh, maybe way back then there was that uh, idea, especially in the summer, to run many weeknights. Uh, where we see that with the summer nationals, um, but not not as much as a regular show that runs on a Wednesday or Thursday, like some uh, tracks might have done more uh, back in then. So I think there was a lot of racing back then. But now, to put it on the level of like Herb or or, or Shepard or one of those guys who's really running, you know, special events for the most part, right. and they can still run that many races, that is it is amazing. And I think what I always look at it, I always I always look at it from the uh, from the idea of how people handle that. Like you saw this last weekend uh, up at those MLRA shows, there's Tutson O'Neill and Tyler Herb and Chase Younghands 
uh, you know, on a weekend off. And I like that, though. I like that. I I loved seeing that feel. And, you know, like, no disrespect to MLRA, I almost, like, called it an unsanctioned race because when it's not Outlaws or Lucas, it sort of feels unsanctioned now. But now those sort of feel like the unsanctioned shows in a way, don't they, where they can fill the calendar in, in a way. Yeah, and I mean, I think fans love to see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think I think those of us that sit around who don't pay for any of the bills for this stuff think, <laughs> well, man, you got that hauler and you have all these cars and stuff. Why aren't you racing, you know? Uh, whereas you look at the other side, you know, then you have those guys like uh, Chris Madden and Dell McDowell kind of come to mind. They really kind of pick their spots when they race. And really, when you look at it, they, you know, McDowell especially, he maximizes you know, his starts and when he goes out and races, he doesn't just, you know, throw it at the wall and see what six kind of things he picks. He picks out his, you know, 35 or 40 races a year, maybe if that much, uh, it really kind of makes the most use of it. But, it. but I think for fans, maybe they like it better just to, you know, when they go out and these guys are just logging the miles and, and they can see them show up uh, at, at random races. That's, that's a lot of fun for sure. We kind of know what big races are during the summer months. I mean, all the crown jewels, the money month, everything, starting with Show Me Memorial Day and through the World 100. We, we know what those big races are. But May is always one of my sneaky favorite. I've seen some of my best races in my life in May. Give the people two to three, three to four events that people need to keep an eye on in the next 35 days or so as we lead up to the Show Me 100. That's funny, and you mentioned the show me. I can remember so many years going to West Plains, and, and in some ways, it felt like the beginning of the season. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely the beginning of the summer, and now that seems crazy to think that because now you know when we work in the sport like this, it, it's more of a year-round thing. However, I do remember going to West Plains, and you felt like you know schools were letting out, the oh, schools yeah. were opening. Like, yeah, we're going to get going here, which which now the show me seems is just, you know, kind of in the middle of the racing. So it's kind of funny that May's like that. So, yeah, I picked out a couple of May races. One of them is those Malvern Bank races, which is a cool thing they did. You didn't notice with the, the Iowa races where somebody could sweep those four Iowa races. Uh, they get $20,000 or 5000 for winning three of them. Now, that's a way to kind of juice juice up a series uh, early in the season, and I, I thought that was neat. So those uh, uh, keep an eye on that series as they race in Iowa. Uh, another one I picked out is uh, the Comp Cams race uh, at uh, Batesville, the Bad Boy 98 yeah. for a long time, the Lucas Oil race. Now it stands as a Comp Cam series, uh, biggest standalone event uh, with the 5000 uh, and 15,000 win purses on back-to-back nights, May 10th and 11th. So that's cool, cool for those guys. It'll be, it'll give that a different mix of races and probably, probably a pretty big card count, uh, considering that some of those guys know they won't be facing the national touring guys for the most part. Uh, another one I picked out that's kind of random at Gas City, uh, Gas City, Indiana, up there, kind of between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis. They don't run a lot of late model races. And I, as a matter of fact, I couldn't find a touring race that they had run uh, since 2008. But the ethanol tour is going there May 19th. So that's that's kind of a, a open wheel hotbed uh, track. So it'll be kind of cool to see those late model guys there. And then finally, after the Show Me 100 weekend, it's interesting that Magnolia. Uh, the clash at the Magda. It's going to have a new format with that 5,000 to win uh, Thursday night, 5,000 to win Friday night, and then 15,000 to win on Saturday. Now, that's that's a lot of fun. You know, if you're going to pick out a weekend to go and, and see a bunch of racing, that, that should be a cool deal. 
Now, I love that you picked the Gas City race, too, because I'm looking forward to that, too. I, you know, Tim Truex, who does so much work with us, is so big on Indiana Sprint Week, and he talks about Gas City and stuff. So I, I think, Todd, I feel like an old National Dirt Digest or something. They, they had a late model race back in the day, Northern All-Stars race or something like that, maybe back in the day. Yeah, I think the American Late Model Series went yeah. there several times. I, that's that's the only time I went for an ALMS race that Brian Ruhlman won, <laughs> probably in 2003 or four or something. But, uh, yeah, they had several races, it seemed like, for a while there. And, and then uh, unless they've had something unsanctioned, I don't think anything since 08. Final few January through April nuggets. Just toss us a few. Last little things. Clean that notebook out as we put the first part of the season behind us. What do you got? Just a couple of interesting things, and this is kind of on a lower level than the national touring things. But Keith, it's interesting the IMCA late model situation up there. You know, I think last year, you know, we were uh, they were signing out the alarms. They were down to five weekly tracks, which is, I mean, the smallest they maybe ever have. And I know you're not you're more of a super late model engine guy, but that's that stuff up there. Oh yeah, it, it's important I think for the his, for for the health of the sport. And this year IMCA. Now that those uh, five, I guess it's four or five in Nebraska tracks have joined them, some of the Iowa tracks have split back to IMCA. They're back up to 13 tracks that are going to uh, crown IMCA weekly champions. And I think that's, you know, uh, especially as, as those rules between them and the Malvern Bank Bunch uh, kind of uh, coalesce a little bit, I think it, it, it helps the health of racing in that part of the country. So keep an eye on that. Uh, especially how those IMCA tracks in Nebraska draw. Uh, and then I'll give you a quick pick for my most improved driver of the season. We saw him in Florida run well, real well, and then he uh, won at Fort Royal this past weekend, that Colton Flinner, uh, who was uh, a whipping boy on the Lucas Hoyle series there for a while. But, boy, was he fun to watch uh, at East Bay. And uh, with that win at Port Royal, I think, you know, it, it shows he uh, – he can probably do it around home this summer too. So uh, keep an eye on Colton Flinner and, uh, and we'll see where he stands on the most improved list when we get later in the season. You stole one of my Kevin Kovac memorial notes for later in the show was about Colton Flinner, Todd. So, I mean, come on, man. I'll hold back next time. Sorry. <laughs> you know him and you love him. Todd Turner, uh, that is it for this week. Thank you so much, sir. As always, knowledge bombs being dropped. Todd, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Now that the racing season is in full swing, we want to know. January through April is over, so you tell us, what is the most important thing that has happened so far in 2019? Let us know and use the hashtag LateModelLive. What is the most important thing that has happened so far this Dirt Late Model season? You are watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. We are back after this. Tyler Erb is best on the first race of the year, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. Tyler Erb dominant in night number two of the Winter Nationals. He picks up his third victory of the season. For the 38th time in his career, for the second straight night and the 39th time in his career, for the third straight night, Brandon Shepard will make history at the 48th Annual Dirt Car Nationals. He wins all four World of Outlaws events.
probably the best product on the market. I mean, we've had zero failures. We've never had a failure. Great people to work with, got the best hymns on the market. FK Rod ends on everybody's stuff. Um, she sponsors events, but anybody that knows anything to do with racing knows FK Rod ends, that's for sure. I think it means a lot when you got people behind you that stand behind you and believe in what you're doing. Uh, like I said, it just makes everybody have pretty good success. Martin Automotive has franchised for Ford, Kia, Chevy, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. We cover heavy-duty hauling or vehicles for the driving enthusiast. At any Mark Martin location, you'll find a large selection, variety, and great prices. MarkMartinAutomotive.com gives you 24-hour access to every location. Browse inventory, apply for credit, and schedule your delivery. We can arrange for delivery anywhere in the U.S. or pick you up at an airport. Give us a chance to earn your business, and you'll see why everyone wins at Mark Martin. Flying the colors and the memorial of Raylan Huffman. Could you have picked a better story? Coming off a of turn number four, checkered flag in the air. Give it to Max Blair. I have somebody correcting me already. Official average car count for Rush was 49 this week, not 50. Can we just be happy, turn? It's 49. High. It's up. Not 50. The point being like, you know, I, I'm, I guess I was rounding up from 49.4 to 50 instead of down to 40. Whatever. The point is 50, basically. It's basically Kovac. It's Kovac correcting me, okay? Can I just say it on the Kevin. end? Yeah, just come, come clean. We asked what the most important thing was that has happened so far in this dirt late model season. What is the most important thing that has happened so far in the dirt late model season on Twitter? And what answers did we get, kids? I will let uh, I will let Derek take the first one from Bob Jet. So Bob, go ahead. At Dirt on Dirt, I'm going to say Tyler Herb's fast start. He has been really good. Or uh, real, real good. Real good. Real good. Turbo <laughs> off to a hot start like Todd talked about. Turn, what's next? From Gary. Hashtag Bloomer. Injured. Missing him bad. <laughs> I like that. Bloomer. <laughs> injured. Missing him bad. I like that. Uh, next up on the list, I've got this one from John Gilbert. Bobby Pierce winning just about everything he's raced this year. And local news... We're going to mention this in the notes section later. Richmond Raceway paying twenty grand for the Butterball. How happy is Allie Callis that the Butterball Woolridge Memorial is paying $20,000 in August? So I, I think they should let her uh, wave the green flag uh, to start the feature. That she is would actually love it. a good point. I Our very own Allie Callis should wave the green flag. Suave, what you got? At Matt Deaver. New office. Hashtag late model live. I know this Deaver's kid really well. He's a huge fan of... Uh, you know, Rigsby and company, he loves a new office. And, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest uh, noteworthy things that's happened all year, Michael. We're, scrape, we're scraping a little bit. We're <laughs> scraping a little bit. Uh, and finally, turn, how about Roy Downing? Says, uh, my head says Bloomquist, winless at Speed Weeks, followed by a motorcycle accident. My heart says OU812. That is the reference to Berkey's number this past weekend, yeah. right? Twelve. What was that like a Motley Crue album? No, uh, 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 not Motley Van Crue. Halen. Van Halen. Van Thank Halen. you. God, yeah. I'm sorry. My 80s arena rock. I'm not Look super versed on. Yeah, that is impressive. <laughs> turn uh, the 20. How old are you? 25. 25. Right 20, now. A 25 yeah. year old in the room nailing the Van Halen album. Is that it? Turn. He also uh, he also had uh, Sammy Hagar's name on his oh, uh, yeah. on the roof of his yeah. car. Man, what a life Berkey's living right now. Just throwing out their Van Halen numbers and stuff like that. I can't imagine the Bill Stein Shocks top 25 got rattled around too much, given there was really only kind of one one noteworthy race this weekend. But again, thank you to our very good friends at Bill Stein Shocks for their support this year. Turn, I think I saw the top three 
unchanged. Is that right? Let's throw up the top 25. Top three, Shepard, Davenport still getting one vote, and Jimmy Owens. Probably the most noteworthy is Bobby Pierce moving up three spots after his Slocum win from seventh to fourth. McDowell at fifth. Herb Madden, Pearson, Richards, and Dev, Devin Moran, rounding out the top 10. Derek, why don't you take 11 through 20? I like the idea of you chipping in 11 through 20 here. Quick note there, Bobby Pierce actually moved up after winning last week. He moved backwards after winning <laughs> I think they twice, respected so. the Slocum win a little more yes. than they did last week. Uh, Chase Young hands after his win at Davenport, moves up to 13, and I would definitely say it's probably the highest he's ever been ranked, you know, in the top 25, at least since I've started, uh, you know, voting and stuff like that. Um, really, my nuts changed. Ross Bales went up to 1 to 20, and uh, a couple guys went, you know, backwards that didn't race this weekend. Yeah, Ricky, Don, and McCready all taking one step back there in the middle. In turn, you are our newbie guy, and I think we're batting zero this weekend. Is that batting right? Batting zero. Batting zero. Zero is Billy Moyer, Brandon Overton, Mike Marler, Tanner English, and Rick Eckert round out the top 25. That, of course, the Bill Stein Shocks top 25 here at DirtOnDirt.com. Good weekend coming up. The World of Outlaws are off, but Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series in full swing in our home state boys of Illinois is yet another big Illinois weekend. Uh, contemplated long and hard about who to do the preview with this week, but uh, we ended up settling on Chatham, Illinois' own Brian Shirley. When you cover dirt late model racing for a living, you will find that there are things that are sort of inside baseball, as I like to say, if you will, that they amuse only you. And as, as an Illinois kid, here is something that's always sort of amused me, especially the last 10 years. There are certain layers to big races in Illinois. LaSalle always goes first with the Thaw Brawl. Then Farmer City comes along, usually the next week or a couple weeks after with the Illini. And then Lucas Oil is the next big set of races at Tri-City and Macon. Both of those $12,000 to win, and that's coming up on Friday and Saturday. Now, if you didn't know anything about Illinois geographically, you might say, well, I'm assuming LaSalle is the farthest south because it goes first. And then Farmer City would probably be next, and then Tri-City and Macon, assuming that you wanted to start at the south, because it's likely more warm in the south. But it's literally the exact opposite. For whatever reason in this state, we totally do it the opposite direction. The first races are close to Wisconsin, when it's still chilly out. And then we work our way south, all the way to damn near St. Louis, when it's getting warmer and in the 70s. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's always just made me smirk a little bit that maybe we should flip-flop the order to maximize war. So what do you think about that? Shouldn't we start in the north later, or start in the south first, then work our way north in the state of Illinois? Yeah, you would think, but uh, I'm just happy anyway because we got big races in uh, <laughs> March and April and you know throughout the year in Illinois, and I would say maybe 10 to 15 years ago, we probably didn't have these national touring races you know or more than like 10 grand to win it was only usually in the summer months during the you know the summer nationals see turn i tried to i, I went negative a little bit and swap pulls me back to positive every time he pulls me back to it that is enough personal geographic musings for today joining me now on the integra shocks and springs hotline is a guy who could very well win both races at tri-city and macon this weekend on the lucas oil late model dirt series and that's chatham illinois brian shirley Squirrel, real quick, a, a 17th place at the Slocum on Saturday night. I'm, guess, I'm guessing that is sort of a move on and forget it type event this past weekend, right? Yeah, you know, before we, uh, we actually ended up having, you know, battery problems. Right. And uh, we were running fifth there. You know, we were going to put in the top five. And so, it, you know, it, it definitely wasn't our best performance, but. Um, you know, scaling what we've done this year and, and versus how we were last year, we, we, you know, we really never started hitting our stride till, you know, after Burlington, I'm, you know, my record's not that great for them performances last week, you know, so 
all in all, we'll wipe the slate clean. You can't help, you know, when you're going to have a manufacturer problem and, you know, we'll have uh, our cars ready to go for this weekend. I mentioned in the open Tri-City and Macon this weekend for the Lucas guys. One of my favorite activities to do is I like to guess where a driver's favorite track or two is. Just as a lifer in late model racing, I usually think I'm kind of pretty good at it. I can take a guy and say, I bet these are your favorite tracks. I think personally that both Tri-City and Macon probably rank in your top five, maybe top 10, stretching it a little bit. Obviously, Macon is a track where you basically grew up and cut your teeth on. But am I right about these? Do these two racetracks factor into Brian Shirley's top 10 this weekend? Oh, um, I mean, they definitely got to be close to, you know, being a couple of racetracks that we're really, you know, pretty good at and, and should have, a, you know, a great shot as far as uh, going for the win. And hopefully if we do all the things we do right, you know, uh, I definitely never get disappointed when we're going to go to Macon or Farmer City or Granite City. I mean, it's just racetrack that, um, you know, our notebook is really good there. And, and um, you know, most of the time we can put ourselves in a good position to come away with a, you know, a solid top five or a win. Something interesting about Tri-City to me is it has really become a very sought-after testing track, as I like to say. Guys love to go, and many national guys recently did, guys love to go and test there. That's usually a sign that a racetrack is pretty good. Why has why is Tri-City in, in that Granite City area become such a fertile testing ground? What is it about that place that you can learn something about your race car? Well, you know, Kevin, he normally, um, him and Bob, they have the track pretty prep pretty good you know most of the time you're lucky for us you know we can roll in there after they have an open test Kevin will let us stay and what happens is they'll have an open test where enough cars will come run the track in pretty good get it to where it's almost like you're racing and then you can get that race feel um for what you're looking for it's, it's hard to test on a track that isn't groomed in enough for what you know your race surface is so Kevin normally does a heck of a job for us, and and, and we do. We shoot. I'll I'll go four or five times a year. Um, been itching real bad. You know, we went down there last week. It was with this mother nature and stuff like that. It's been tough for um, you know, the testing stuff. We went down there. It was a little heavy, but all in all, we got to shake down a few things. But for us, um, it's just a great playing field, and it's close to home. And uh, normally it's spot on for when you need to know how to feel your car. You can feel it, you know, adjustment. So all in all, Kevin and them do a great job for us. And, and we really enjoy going there. It's just one of those tracks, you, you know, if your car is really good there, you're pretty good in a lot of places. We talked about Tri-City, but I was just going to ask you this question pretty simply about Macon. Is there anything like it? I mean, it, can you literally <laughs> compare it to anything or is Macon just so standalone and it's awesomeness and everything else? You just, you can't compare anything to it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely hard to compare it. I mean, there's, you know, maybe one other track that even comes close to it, um, which is Belleville. But, you know, for me, I'm not a big Belleville fan. I mean, I do go there and uh, enjoy the race there when we do go there. But when we go to Macon, I don't know if it's just, you know, because there's no wall or what, but it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things that, I, I mean, it excites everybody. The fans are on top of you. The crowd's normally pretty good. Um, you know, Sarge has the racetrack most of the time in excellent condition and he's not afraid to go out and work the track to make sure that that feature is, uh, you know, all you can get. And 
that's why you see guys like me or Shannon Babb or, you know, Pierce, Fager, you know, any of us, we all go in there with guns a-blazing because it's just, you know, it's just what we do here in the Midwest, man. We're throttle stoppers. It, this season for you, what a ride it's been, literally, <laughs> from, a, from a wild flip uh, down at Gold Miles, where it really was one of the nastier spills I've seen in late model racing in a long time, to bouncing back and really kind of running okay at Speed Weeks. You know, Speed Weeks is three weeks long. You kind of forget you were there on the first or second night, and you bounce back. You got a win in the Illini 100 prelim. I feel like you have jammed more than two months of racing um, into four months, what some people do in an entire season, from the flip to the victory to everything else, I feel like it's been a pretty wild two or three months here. Try to put into words, as we approach the end of April, Squirrel, how would you put into words this first few months of the season? Yeah, it's definitely uh, had its highs and its lows. Um, you know, my stress level, is, uh, it's been up there. You know, we've we feel like we've been working hard and, um, you know, trying to play catch up after that flip, trying to keep going. And, and that's, you know, one of Bob's Cohen's mentality is, you know, we got to keep racing. You got to grind it out. You got to keep pushing to get better. So, um, you know, as long as he's willing to give us the equipment and everything we need to do to keep racing, we're, we're going to work hard and we're going to put in the extra hours. And, and that's just the toughest part is right now. We're just, I'm just almost to the point where I feel like we're catching up and it's been nice. You know, we got this weekend to be close to home, not go far. We had last weekend. So on weeks like that, where we're just not Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, it's given us a, you know, a chance to catch up and, and, and get back to unwind a little bit where, you know, I can do something besides just be in the shop. Um, you know, so luckily we got the car we flipped that, you know, Brunswick back together, uh, ran it last weekend. So we're, we're just about to where we're even and uh, ready to go on, you know, for the season. I joked a few weeks ago on Late Model Live that Rick Eshelman was wooing you pretty hard to come run the Outlaws Tour in that Victory Lane interview with After Farmer City. You currently sit seventh in points, but you basically told me when, when they go well, and even next week for Livonia and Cherokee, and when they go to Fayetteville, you know, when Farmer City and Fairbury have their big races, that you're probably going to stick close to home. Maybe you guys thought about it, but no intentions of staying out on that Outlaw Tour right now? Uh, no, it's it's just impossible. I mean, it's just me and Big R and, um, you know, shoot, I got, you know, three businesses to take care of, a wife and three kids. And, and um, you know, keeping up with the race team is a full-time job, let alone everything else I got going on. And we just don't have enough help. I mean, if we could find, you know, one more guy, you, you just can't go tackle that series and think you're going to do it with one guy and one driver. It's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you're going against the best guys in the business. You know, they got full-time crew guys in the shop every day, and it's it's just not in our cards. We just we haven't been able to find someone to put in the right spot for us to help us manage um, the team a little better when, so that way I can step away, you know, during the week. So until we can find, you know, a couple people to put in the right spot, it, it just we're going to go to the races and make sure that we go to the races like this weekend, 100% prepared, the best we can, and um, that, that's just what we got to do. We have to minimize what races we go to to make the most money we can. And when we're on the road and it's just me and another guy, I mean, we went up to Smoky Mountain and Duck River. I mean, me and him were like, we were just struggling to keep <laughs> up because the pace is so fast. And, you know, at least when I'm around home here, I can snag, you know, my buddy Wade or my buddy Albie. I can, you know, I can get somebody because 
if I don't have somebody there to help, whether it's just put some fuel in, tighten up the lug nuts or something, it's just less time away for me to keep an eye on the racetrack. And when you can't do that, and you're trying to beat Mark Richards and, you know, Shepard and their team that has everybody in place, it, it, it's just it's damn near impossible. Simple question, my last question. Yourself, Shannon Babb, Bobby Pierce, Brandon Shepard, as you just mentioned, Dennis Herb Jr., do you think as we sit here right now, and I like that you kind of referenced it, the way we do it in Illinois, the way we do it in the mess, it's elbows up, it's on the throttle. You, Babb, Pierce, Shepard, Herb Jr., do you think right now as we sit here today that Illinois has the toughest group of drivers in the country? Do you think that? Um, I think we hold our own. I mean, I definitely believe that you know, there's a lot of great race car drivers in the country. I think that you've got guys that come in like last week, um, a few touring guys that come in and then they see that it's not easy. It isn't easy just to come in and think you're going to go run against, um, you know, some UMP guys. And just because you run a tour all the time that it's going to be, you know, it's about the same. It ain't easy to go jump on tour and it ain't easy to come over here in the Midwest and racing it. Heck, would we, we went to, um, you know, Granite City a couple weeks ago for literally a 2001 race, and it had me, Bab, Moyer, Pierce, um, Clues. I mean, there was 15 cars there for a 2001. It could have been a summer national show that really should have, could have paid 5,000 to win because right. it was just that tough of a field. So, I mean, I can promise you there, there's not many people that are going to come into Illinois and they're going to stomp all over us Illinois boys, you know, and, and nor when we go into their territory, it's just, you know, home field advantage is like anything in, in sports. When you got home field advantage, life gets a little easier. So I do think as times went on to the state of Illinois as a lot of great racers, and I'm proud to, you know, be one of them and, you know, just thankful that, you know, our sport is doing as good as it's doing. Derek, I'm going to bring you in for this final question. Before we do uh, Squirrel Sponsor Read, do you think, Derek, you can do Squirrel Sponsor? Brian, your sponsor read has become famous in dirt late model racing. Other drivers will do your sponsors because they've seen so many DirtOnDirt.com <laughs> interviews now. Tyler Herb will just rattle them all off. Other guys will rattle them off. Swab, do you think you can do it real quick? Go ahead and try to emulate Squirrel doing his sponsor read at the end of an interview. Go ahead. I'd like to thank Bob and Lisa Colin, Kids Castle, KBC Graphics. Um, let's see here. Uh, Tom, like to say, Mark, Thomas you know, Express, Thomason Express. Oh yeah, and Little Brian. All that, you know. <laughs> I'd like to thank those guys because without them, uh, we couldn't get to up and down the road. How was that squirrel? How did you do? Not bad. Uh, I, I'd give him a maybe a little B minus. He he got to be a little fresher for those guys because you got to realize how important all these people are. So. When, uh, you know, we get an opportunity to thank them, you know, you got to be on point. You got to let, you know, know what you're doing and say what you got to say. So that way, you, you know, those people understand how much we need them to race. Can you do it for us real quick? Give, give us a sponsor. You do it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Um, you know, we definitely can't do it without Bob and Lisa Cohen, Thomas and Express, Kids Castle, Cheap Cars, KBC Graphics, uh, Mark and Steve Baker. You know, our XR1 runs great. So, Got to thank everybody with Integra and Midwest Sheet Metal, Ted Brown Auto Body. And um, if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sorry, but I <laughs> you rattled put it. on the spot. <laughs> it messed me up being put on the spot. So um, it definitely wasn't fresh in my brain. Not not bad. By this weekend when he wins one of these races, Suave, he'll, he'll have it. He'll, he'll be dialed it in. 
Brian Shirley will represent that Illinois contingent this weekend in his home state as the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series makes its way back to the land of Lincoln for the first time this season. 12,000 to win Friday night at Tri-City and then another 12,000 Saturday at the Mighty Macon, which you can watch live right here at DirtOnDirt.com. Brian, good luck this weekend, man. We'll see you down Friday near St. Louis. Okay, bud? All right, man. I appreciate you guys letting me be on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. All right. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. We are taking a deep dive on some Lucas Oil stats when we come back ahead of this weekend at Tri-City and Macon. We're going to dig into some interesting numbers that I think you should have access to. We are back on Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live very, very soon. One of the Heartland's greatest motorsports events is coming back to Lucas Oil Speedway. It's the 27th annual Lucas Oil Show Me 100. Presented by Protect the Harvest. This is fast family fun at its finest. When the cars of the late model dirt series battle for ultimate supremacy on the track. It's three full nights of the wildest dirt track motorsports mayhem. At one of the nation's premier motorsports facilities. It all happens May 23rd through the 25th. And it's only at Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri. For tickets and info, visit lucasoilspeedway.com. Damn right, I got time out there. Oh, that stupid ass flagman. They got a dumb ass flagman that can't see. You know, we sat there, the USAC officials yelled yellow. I sat there and he shut the green light back off. He turned the green light back on, so I got in the tuck position. Sure enough, we got hit. He's a fat little son of a bitch. Little son of a bitch. I'll get his neck. And then he wants to use this USAC shirt that says authority. You know, this little son of a bitch probably makes 175 a week, which is fine. But he makes his shirt on, and then he's authority. Got all this power, and he wants to just go back to the pits. Well, he f***ed up. And he can kiss my d And if I get the chance, he's going to. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, every time. Every time I see it, I can literally not laugh. Turn it. When's the last time you'd seen it? Have you ever seen that turn? Yeah, or no? I've seen it. I laugh every time. Uh, Swab's in here giggling all day at this Jack, famous Jack Hewitt interview. Swab's just giggling like a little schoolgirl. Kiss all day. my beep. And if he gets the chance, he's going to. Now, the reason I played that is some people forget in the late model world that Jack Hewitt, that interview was at Macon Speedway right outside turn two. 
kind of towards the road there that drives by the pits towards turn two. That thing has gotten so popular now, you can actually get a T-shirt, throw that up turn from the Swindell Speed Lab, folks, Kevin and Jordan. <laughs> You're damn right I got time for an interview. Uh, pretty good job, by the way, on that caricature of Jack there. I absolutely love it. Swap, do you think so? By the way, if you want to get one of those, head to the Swindell Speed Lab. You can check that out, swindellspeedlab.com. Jordan and Kevin, good luck to those guys selling those. Do you think we can get Dustin Jarrett, Swap, to stand <laughs> outside and turn two and recreate that entire interview this weekend? Let's we'll just get Jack himself to come back and uh, come, you know, to pit report for us. We can reenact that. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's one of the most entertaining interviews that uh, – I've ever seen. That's uh, pretty funny. And I think I'm going to pay Dustin Jarrett 175 <laughs> bucks for the night just so we can say, and he probably makes 175 which is fine, by which the way. Which is fine. So yeah. That's the best part about that line, which is fine. Uh, I just absolutely love that. It got me thinking about this week, just about making and fun stuff we can do for the broadcast. Turn, make sure that's in the broadcast, okay, Turn? Yeah. Saturday. I want yeah. that in the broadcast. I want Dustin, Jared, you and Derek standing there, okay, in turn two, suave in the pit. So we'll have to test that on Friday. One of the themes of this show is putting a bow on the first four months of the year. It's kind of what we've been talking about all night. And I wanted to put together some Lucas Oil statistics, courtesy of our own, who else? Andy Savory, of course. Uh, turn, let's take a look at those. I want to focus on two things. Top 10 percentage, which is what you see here first. Uh, what'd you say, Derek? 15 guys have run every Lucas race, right? So this is the top 12 here. How many times in their races so far have these guys ended up in the top 10 percentage? How about that? Everyone thinks JD is going to run away with this points championship, and he very well may. But right now, it's Tyler Erb at 92.3% who has been in the top 10 now, basically every race. Uh, and then from there, Jonathan and EPJ tied at 84.6 and on down to Josh, Devin, Don, and so on and so forth. Derek, anything jump out to you with that list? I mean, I think Turbo, I would have thought JD had I not known any better, uh, not knowing it was Turbo the most. Yeah, it just Turbo with majority of the races so far during speed weeks, you know, he was on a tear there and obviously JD starting to pick it up here. But uh, that's basically a common theme of what the kind of the point standings look looks like, you know, it, I mean, with the top five or six, but obviously JD's in first right now. He's starting to get hot, and I don't know if anybody's going to be able to catch him. Top 10 percentage matters, but what probably matters more is money. This is money one. Lucas Oil earnings of those top 12 guys so far as Derek's doing the Johnny Menzel money sign over there. <laughs> JD, okay, he's second by like six percentage points in top 10 percentage. He's ahead by $30,000 in money one so far. He's won the most races, obviously. Uh, Turbo, very respectable there in second. EPJ, Owens, Moran, and Josh rounding out the top five. Turn, or Derek, what matters to me on this list is you realize how friggin' expensive it is to do this. Like, okay, let's let's take a guy like uh, Hudson O'Neill. Hudson O'Neill's seventh in earnings. This is feature earnings only, but $24,225. We know, we know that... Is that right for Hudson? Yeah, 24225. We know he spent more than that. So that just shows you how important sponsorship and everything is to these guys. He's raced outlaws. This is only Lucas Oil earnings, but man, this thing's expensive to go out there and only race for $24,225. These guys got really good sponsorships and stuff like that. Yeah, kudos to uh the car owners and like the sponsors, like you said, because majority of these guys on there, other than maybe like Billy Moyer Jr., they're and you know, a few others, they're guys that are, you know, do it themselves so they don't have a car owner. So Shout out to the guys that uh putting some drivers in their cars and uh it's good to see, you know, Jonathan Davenport. He's uh, coasting right now with 82,000 large. Yeah, and, uh, it could be a JD, big... come on. Show me some monies. Let's go. It could We're be messies, a big... I Yeah, I know. You could float you alone a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just Apparently. Come on. Let me pay off my college. St statistical things to come up with will bite on that segment a little bit, too. Turns turn back in two weeks, though, turn. You're finally, you know, no more Allie's world and need to read about. and all of yes. that. What? Um, you know, I wondered this, too. 
I wondered if Suave has ever considered using a rainout as his lock. Turn, would you allow that or not? Could he use a this week this event will rain out or because the I think four- he did that. No. Yes. No. I'm not weak. No. No way. I don't think that's right. No. Okay, how about this? Are. Is it legal this? for him to do that? Uh I'm never going to I'll make do you that. a deal. I'll make okay. you a deal. Okay. He can do it, but he can only look at the forecast on Monday of that week. That's a fair. I think that's fair. So fair? like yesterday um, so, okay, so he looks at the forecast on a Monday. To, uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Basically. Okay, okay. That's fair. Derek, would you bite on that? Well, the way my luck is on the locks, <laughs> that uh, if I did say there was going to be a rain out, it wouldn't. So the track uh, promoters and owners would be happy with me and the drivers, but I ain't doing that. Come on now. Okay, well, like, I am no interested way. to see. I tried to talk him into <laughs> Ashton Winger. I tried to talk him into Kent Robinson. We'll see where he goes this time on Swab's Lock of the Week. Swab's Lock of the Week. <laughs> As Rigsby alluded to, another rain out, which means my record is still at one and three. Technically, that might not be a bad thing because I'm not losing or anything. But this Saturday, <laughs> that is losing I'm, actually. That's yes. lo- that's losing. Yes, that's, that's losing. excuse me. This is my segment. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this Saturday, I'm taking my town some mighty making speedway for the Lucas Oil Race. No, I'm not picking the four-time Herald and Review 100 <laughs> winner Kevin Weaver, though he's planning on being there. Um, and that would be badass actually if you did win. But I might have to go with Bobby Pierce to pick up the win. Yes, I might be a homer. Yes, this is house money. Turns are always like, oh, just make the layup, stuff like that. But in his 10 major starts at Macon, Bobby has won five races. 50% of the time, he's winning 100 lapper at Macon. So I have to go with the smooth operator. Turn, I'm going two and three, baby. And that's Suave's lock of the week. Uh, the wink to uh, one and uh, three currently right now. I, I feel like I, I don't mind these rainouts. I, I don't I, mind these rainouts. I tuned I tuned out a little bit. Uh, by the way, the rainout does not carry over because it's not fair because he picked Devin at Atomic and now Devin cannot compete, compete at Atomic turn. So I know you'd love for that to count, but it does not count yeah. for the carryover. I, all I heard I tuned out during Derek's segment, but I think I heard sixty percent of the time this works every time. Did anybody else hear that? <laughs> yeah, I heard <laughs> that. Like you hear that saying a lot, but I said no. Fifty percent of the time, uh, okay. Bobby wins hundred lapper okay. in the major events. I so. thought I okay. All right. I just I couldn't I thought I maybe heard sixty percent of the time it works every time. We've already had one national dirt digest moment during the show. On the other side of the break, we've got another look at Chubb Frank. I'm just gonna tease you a little bit perfectly frank with a Hardy's Dixie shootout. More national dirt digest talk when we wrap the show up after this. When you start with the strongest American steel. Apply the smartest techniques. Let artesian quality craftsmen do the work. What you end up with is just feel better than anything else you can get. their quality second to none number two their service is outstanding and number three they are on the leading edge of piston ring technology all the time they supply rings to the best racers in motorsports all levels 
Late Model Race in Australia. This is a really cool deal that they put on, and uh, it's just a really fun time. It just keeps growing, so I can't see why, why next year wouldn't be any bigger. Let's go racing, 40 laps, here we go. But Tyler Turbo were what a slingshot up onto the inside, makes slight contact with Gonti, and he's hit the wall. Gonti has hit the wall and has lost three places. But Tyler Turbo were charging his way through to take victory in round two and win. Hell, I think there was, what, 29, 30 cars at every show, and that, that was way better than last year. So never know when we get back next year, there might be 50. One thing about the suave over there hyping it up. One thing about these National Dirt Digest is every door in our, our house that we Amber and I just remodeled is white, and these are just full of ink, like chalk full of ink. So every time I handle these on Tuesday's turn, Amber gets mad because there's black fingerprints all over all over the entire house. This week's trip down National Dirt Digest memory lane is Chubb Shoot a Chubb Shootout. I like that. <laughs> Chubb Frank in 2002 winning the Dixie Shootout, sponsored by Hardy, some corporate sponsorship that year for $55,000 back in 2002. Now, Suave kind of asked me about this show. He didn't really remember it very well, this race. The Dixie shootout was a I mean, Listen, the Dixie race in October is still a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But at one time, this was one of the top two or three paying dirt late model shows in the entire country. And I just absolutely loved. I want to kind of move the mic back here and show some of this in here. Um, you know, I love the headline, Hardy Boy from Suave. I love like that. that. Range shortened victory gives Frank a career high $55,000. Just the breakdown of it. The surface was really good. Dixie could kind of be hit and miss at that time a little bit. And the Swims family and those guys really got it good that night. Derek, I wanted to read to you, and this is something that struck us earlier. Story this was time. What's that? Story time. Story time. You like this? Like It's like a fireside chat. Top 10 for this race. Chubb Frank, Skip Arp, Dale McDowell, Brian Burkoffer, Wendell Wallace, Shannon Mab, Randall Chubb, Steve Francis, Jimmy Mars, Steve Shaver. Also in there was Rex, uh, excuse me, Ray Cook, Rick Eckert, Ricky Weeks, Billy Moyer. So many of the same names. That's what stands out to me is of those 15 guys I read, 10 of them are still very competitive and winning. I just thought, I thought that was cool. There's a quote in here from Mickey Swims too. It says, there's nothing I hate any worse than to have a race where the cars run single file because of the track service. The fans complain, but they're not any madder than you, than me, I promise you. So I just thought that was cool. 62 cars. Rodney Combs didn't take times. So he was 62nd. Uh, you, Derek, you just really don't remember that. You're a little young for the Dixie shootout, yeah, I mean, aren't you? I know. I remember the Dixie <laughs> shootout, but I don't like remember specifically that. I mean, I was only like 12 or 13. I, you know, I was doing other things. But uh, yeah, how about kudos to uh, Chubb Frank? I'm guaranteeing uh, Boom Briggs, friend of the program, was tuning in on that car. And I think you said seven of the 10 drivers you listed in the top 10 still race today and probably could still win a big $50,000 to win race. I wanted to I always do the flip through a couple other pages. Terry Phillips won a, uh, looks like an MLRA race in South Coffeyville, Kansas at Mid-America Speedway. And Darren Miller, how about this? Darren Miller won a WDRL event on October 4th and 5th, Derek, all the way up at Cornhusker Classic at I-80 Speedway. So just some cool stuff. Uh, Dixie this weekend, of course, we're going to talk about it in a second. I just wanted to give a another National Dirt Digest shout-out. Chubb Frank won $55,000 that year. What would have paid more, Dream? Uh, I think that'd be the only that's one. That's it. Right? Because the yeah. dirt track would have been 50, so there wouldn't have been second, anything else. So the second, second highest paying dirt late model race in the country that year. Uh, Turn, you definitely don't remember the Dixie shootout because you're like four years old. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's correct. That would have been, yeah, right about. How what year was it? 2002. It'd been six. Okay. So it'd have been like, no, nah, I'd been like eight. Oh my God. Uh, I am so freaking old. Let's, let's finish the show. If I have to go, I'm too old. 
number five, speaking of MLRA, they go west this weekend with a pair of shows Friday and Saturday. First up, just like we said, in the great state of Oklahoma, Thunderbird Speedway in Muskogee Friday night for $3,000 to win. And Saturday night, all the way out in Caney Valley Speedway in Caney, Kansas. We obviously don't know a lot about the series points chase after two events because a lot of national guys were there this past weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how these fields shake down. But surely Jesse Stovall is good for at least one win this weekend. Maybe Terry Phillips suave, Jesse Stovall. Terry Phillips, Jesse Stovall, Jesse Stovall. I'm settling on that. MLRA on the planes this coming weekend. Number four, Kelly Carlton's Ultimate Southeastern Series. It's had a lot of good things this year, but one thing they have not had are races on back-to-back -back nights until Friday and Saturday. Lawrence County Speedway in Lawrence, South Carolina, Friday for four grand. And Saturday, just like we had just mentioned minutes ago, the Swims Family Dixie Speedway for 4,000 to win. I had a memory of a Have a Tampa race at Lawrence in 1994. I had to look it up. It was the tour's only Have a Tampa stop there. Turn the winner, Buck Simmons, whose 41 car sits on your desk right now. Meanwhile, the tour was at Dixie 30 times. I had to look that up, too, for Have a Tampa. Be a fool not to pick Michael Page, the 18 car. If he doesn't go to Dega, I think he goes to Dixie and coasts to a win. Number three, Southern All-Stars had their own doubleheader this weekend. At, well, at two tracks whose names mean an awful lot to our sport. Yet another special event at Smoky Mountain Speedway Friday night, 5,000 to win at the self-dubbed, I think I may have given them this name, America's Special Event Track. And Saturday night, where are they, Derek? Talladega. It's my best Keith Jackson calling the Rose Bowl. Or Talladega, Alabama. 5,000 to win Saturday. Of course, NASCAR is at Dega on Sunday. Donald McIntosh will win eh, Smoky Mountain on Friday night. Good luck to Dwayne Keith and those guys this weekend. Number two, turn, I wanted to toss this in there. Don't forget, it was supposed to be last weekend, but was moved to Saturday night. $10,000 to win at Atomic Speedway in Ohio, the inaugural Buckeye 100, 100 laps around Brad McCown's high banks. This will be one to watch because last weekend you had Lucas and the Outlaws off. So you knew you are going to get a handful of drivers there with Lucas uh, back running this weekend. It won't be as many. And Eldora starting on the same night. Things will look a little different than they might have last Saturday. I could see Daryl Lanigan sliding in there, though, and running in this race if things fall right. But more than likely, it'll be an Ohio regional guy taking the money. I like R.J. Conley. So what do you think about that pick? R.J. Conley this weekend for ten grand? yes? Book it. Book it. Number one, I just referenced it, but don't forget the biggest dirt track in the world starts their season on Saturday night. Eldora Speedway for the 66th time will swing open its gates and welcome a new year with a 5,000 to win late model race. The world's most famous half mile has upped the ante in recent years on non-dream and world shows. Mostly all of them pay at least 5,000 to win. I could say Jeep. Uh, I could pick a guy who's dropping in for a test session, but I like that 7R. K-Rob, the Indiana guy, goes to Ohio and wins. Happy Eldora, everyone. Season opener again. That was five to go. Poor Nick Hoffman there, Suave. He's showing the Nick Hoffman coasting to the finish there at the end of that one. Hey, man. Poor Nick Hoffman. I don't know. On-demand. Uh, oh, yeah. On-demand. Uh, a lot of stuff. Shameless plugs turn. What do we got on-demand this weekend? So we've got Lucas Oil at Tri-City. Lucas Oil at Macon. And that one is live, 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 live. Southern All-Stars, Smoky Mountain and Talladega, Ultimate at Lawrence County and Dixie, and also Unsanctioned at Atomic. 
How about that, that? That is a busy weekend for us here at DirtOnDirt.com. And live shows turn. Just mentioned it. Don't forget, making every single lap of that Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series race. Get to see Rick Schwally and the gang this weekend. Live right here at DirtOnDirt.com this weekend. And then some pay-per-views coming up after that. Excited about these two. May 10th and 11th. Farmer City, the 74. Farmer City 74. Uh, 10,000 to win Friday night, May 10th at Mars Series. And the next night at Fairbury. Um, not Fairbury, American Legion Speedway. Fairbury Speedway, excuse me. Saturday night for 10 thousand dollars to win as well and don't forget the fast pass is still kicking and it's getting busy in may may 3rd and 4th at cherokee and livonia may 10th and 11th the first in flight 100 at fayetteville and may 17th and 18th i believe that's wayne county in muskingum yes I wayne, you're right yeah wayne county in muskingum so that world of outlaws fast pass keep a hold of it it is going to be very valuable here come May. We have a host of Kevin Kovac memorial notes here, and Derek even getting in on the notes action. We mentioned, how about it? Butterball Woolridge Memorial, Derek, paying $20,000 to win 20059 to be exact. Where would you rate Allie Collis' excitement level on that night in August? Well, she tweeted yesterday, like, her excitement, it was, like, through the roof, because I can tell when she's excited through, like, her tweets. She's very, very, you know, pumped for this one. Let's let her drop the green flag, like we mentioned earlier. Let's make it happen, Michael. You're the boss. Let's let, let's make it happen. Please. I will. I will. We'll contact my folks at Richmond and see if we can get <laughs> Allie to get, drop the green flag. Uh, we mentioned Kent Robinson a minute ago. He's my pick at Eldora. You saw he was stripped of his Mars win at Brownstown this past weekend for his tires coming back bad from the lab. Uh, Kevin Kovac wrote a dirt wire on it. I wanted to read K-Rob's quote. His quote was, I have too much respect for Chris Tilly, Ray Cook, and the entire Mars series to knowingly alter my tires in any way. I'm not going to badmouth any certain person or organization along the way, but it does raise a lot of questions and makes me question the testing procedures right now. Derek, you talked to his crew guy. He said they're unlikely to fight any um, fine or anything like that, but he's saying, hey, we didn't do it, right? Yeah, through the grapevine that they did not do it, and you know they said it's not worth the time and the money you know, to fight it because they've you know, little quote here, he says they feel like the drivers don't have a stain on this. You know, they don't have like the full benefits and rights that it's hard for somebody to overturn that call. So they're just not going to fight it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into judiciating tire issues and all that stuff. I just thought uh, Worthy was in the news today and I thought I'd read the quote from K-Rob. Uh, some good social media stuff from over the weekend. Uh, Jonathan Davenport tweeted before Virginia Motor rained out. He tweeted this turn. He said, we're going to VMS. What was Austin Hubbard's reply, Derek? <laughs> Don't you need a weekend off? And that's classic <laughs> Hubbard. He's because Hubbard goes to all the races in Virginia, and he want to been a nice to have that twenty thousand dollar payday. And then JD responded, responded, "I'm afraid I'm going to get a little rusty." Yeah, Sorry, which I, I don't think there's at, any danger of that. Funny. The race ended up raining out, but I thought Austin was good there. And how about this late model racers Russ King and Matt Henderson, two cross sections of the universe, one from the southeast, one from the northeast. I saw this Facebook post from Matt Henderson, and I just absolutely loved it. Russ King and I have never met before; just seen each other on social media. He and I did business, no payments electronically. We both kept our word, got the product, and money exchanged the old-fashioned way. You will read 10 times a day on social media about something getting screwed, but here's a chance to read about it going 100% right. Thanks, Russ. I don't know what it was. I, my comment to them was, this restores my hope in humanity. I just liked that. I don't know what it was. I thought it was very cool. Here's two people that have never met as I whack my microphone or anything like that. Just Facebook connected them. Turn two people from different cross sections of our world. Turn, doesn't that make you feel good? Things going right, some positivity. You got to love pos positivity in this world of negativity. In this world, the cesspool world yes. that we live in sometimes. Uh, Todd stole my note. How about Colton Flinter winning at Port Royal? I thought that was good. His second career victory there. And on Sunday, he got engaged 
to his longtime girlfriend, by the way. So, Derek, maybe a little note for you and your girlfriend. Maybe a big weekend uh, covering a race. You could get engaged the next day. I mean, I did meet her at the Prairie Dirt Classic two years ago, but I can't, you know, outdo turn. Yeah, that's right. Turn's going on five years now. Well, you know what? That should be a segment on this show, the turn engagement (laughs) countdown. What do you guys think think about that? Make bets. Let's get the day right and get like free World 100 tickets or something. That, I love the engagement pool. I love that. Ah, We're going to work that out for next week. Uh, Derek, you've got some making news and notes you wanted to hit before this weekend. Pop those on us real quick. Well, of course, we mentioned the Bobby Pierce one in my uh, lock of the week, that last 10 major events, he's won half of them, five of them. Two Herald Review 100s and three, you know, the Lucas Oil races. But I like this one. Since 2005, only three drivers who live outside the state of Illinois have won a major event at Macon. And that was Gordy Gundaker last year at the Herald Review 100. practically honorary Illinois guy. Yes, basically. I didn't really want to count that, but we had to. And Jimmy Owens and Josh Richards. So if you, that should have been my lock of the week that an Illinois driver was going to win this weekend because all those guys have raced there plenty of times because of the Summer Nationals and they got a, but, Lucas Hoyle's been there now. This will be the sixth time, fifth or sixth time. So, you know, they're going to have a little, uh, you know, they got some notes too. So maybe we can see another uh, non-Illinois driver win this race. I like the idea that Derek always realizes his lock was bad right after, during the show. During the same yeah. show, he realizes that his lock was bad. That's my, Regrets. oh, man, you know what I should Regrets. have done my lock was this. Um, and I, we had to show this. This is from a year ago. But in the spirit of Easter, I mean, come I on. I was creeping on Facebook when I sent this to Kovac. <laughs> so at sorry, little, Look at the Shepster <laughs> with a little guy there. I love it. I Nothing love it says so Easter much. more than Sheppy in a giant Easter basket. I just, I don't Why does that make me so happy, that photo? Because he is happy. Him and his kid are just like his kid looks just like him. So God, it's hilarious. look at little mini Sheppy. That's a fifth generation, right? Is yes. that right? Oh God, look at our little rosy cheek Sheppy. We love him. He's our little boy. <laughs> He's our little boy there. Uh, Macon reminder one more time: you can watch Macon live in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series this weekend at DirtOnDirt.com. Tune in Saturday. We'll have it all Friday on LOR TV. Saturday at DirtOnDirt.com. We have no show next week. We need to to uh, get some things in order for the May home stretch that's coming up. We did three in a row. No show next week, and you know, practically no show on May seventh. Turn, put him on. Oh boy, May seventh. <laughs> Derek Deswav, Derek Kessinger. What is happening over there? Derek Kessinger will host on May seventh. Suave takeover. As he I'm comes looking forward to that. After America. our week Tune off. In. And also, our first in-studio guests are right around the corner as well. We also found out Gordy Gundaker moving to Champaign, Illinois. Uh, so, so is he, I is think he, I'm worried he's going to be in here every week, quite honestly. Yeah, so he wanted to come into the show about. tonight, actually, but we, we're like, you know what? We're still trying to get used to yeah, uh, the surroundings. Yeah, yeah, surroundings. Maybe next week. It is the best time ever to subscribe to DirtOnDirt.com. More highlights, more articles, more interviews, more stories, more everything than ever before. It is the best time ever to subscribe. Live from making this weekend, Farmer City and Fairbury after that. The Fast Pass, you'll want to get it if you don't. All of that and more available right now at DOD for Suave slash Dante Culpepper. For Michael Turnreiners and everybody here at DOD, off next week, we return with a suave takeover on May 7th. We'll see you then.